Thank you, man. Howdy, guys. Howdy. Well, I'm so grateful to be here with all of you. And, and um, let me see if this, is this working? We good? Okay, great. Um, I was trying to explain to the, uh, the old timers in my church. I work at a church in Dallas, Texas, not Dallas, Georgia. And, and um, I was trying to explain to them what I was doing tonight. I said, there's this great um, thing called Purpose on Tap. And they're like, okay, what's Purpose on Tap? And I said, well, there's Han Brolo and there's Fu Man Brew and it's just going to be great. And there's beer and, and, um, and I kind of lost them at that. So uh, I don't really know what it is that um, I've not been a part of this of this gathering over the last year and a half, and, and, um, and yet I am so thankful, and what, the reason I'm excited to be here and, and to join you in, in conversation tonight um, is because of the people that I think about uh, and the people that I just see in this room who have meant so much to me and have had an incredible impact um, on my life. And, uh, and so I just want to talk a little bit about some of these people who have had an impact on my life. And some of them are here. Uh, some of them are sort of the mentors and the heroes that, that I have looked up to and, and tried to shape my life around. And, um, and I'm just grateful that all of you made time to be here tonight. Turn my microphone on. There you go. Whoa. Okay, it's a little reverb. Are we good? Okay, great, great. Um, I know that for a lot of you, being here is a sacrifice. I had to, you know, go to my wife and, and tell her it's, it just bums me out that I can't be home for witching hour, three kids under the age of four screaming, protesting, bedtime. Um, we have one of those robot vacuums that's made by a company called Yuffie, but my kids can't say Yuffie, so they call it Roofie, and, which I've tried to correct. But it's so lately at bedtime, my son Wheeler has been running around naked after, you know, shower time trying to ride Rufy around the house naked. And um, so that's what happens at witching hour in my house. Um, but so I told Allie, I really wish that I could be home to help you, you know, navigate that together. But I have to go drink beer and talk about, you know, God and purpose with good friends. So um, I'm going to suffer for Jesus on behalf of our family. And um, she was not very convinced. But I think it is so cool. Um, what is happening here and to see the conversations that are taking place um, in recent months is listening to some of the some of the conversations the Q&A's and really the community that that pours out from this and just to think about speakers that you have had Jeff Foxworthy are you kidding me that guy is amazing and and his out his work at the mission uh, is so cool last month if you were here for purpose on tap um, you met a guy, I think he was a sex therapist or something, and um, Todd Sandell, are you here? I think he's here. He's sponsored by Lululemon as well, and, uh, but he spoke, <clears throat> he spoke um, last month, and that was, that was so encouraging, and actually Todd has been a kind of mentor uh, in, in my life, and, and um, so it, it's, it's really cool just to, to continue the conversation. Um, as Calder mentioned, I live in Dallas, Texas. And I've been there for about four years. Uh, four years ago, my wife and I made the decision to, to leave Atlanta, which had become home for us. Uh, I had been here for 10 years. My wife grew up here in Atlanta. I grew to love this place and still love it like it's home. Um, in fact, as we were sort of making the, it was a really hard decision for us uh, to, to move to Dallas. And we felt like that's kind of what we were called to do. And I remember when we got married, my wife um, said to me, because I'm in ministry, working in the church, and she said, Brian, I will, I will go anywhere in the world with you um, that we know that we're called to make a difference and to serve. She said, I will go anywhere but Texas. 
Um, and I just want you to know that. And so try, like, see how that works out, you know, if you want to do that in your life. Um, so now we're in Texas, and, and um, I'm a part of this amazing church, and it, it, I love what I do, and every day is a challenge, and I'm learning so much. I'm failing all the time. Uh, the leader that I followed was twice my age and just had so much wisdom. And, um, and I think sometimes, you know, the, the, the church that hired me is like, what did we get into uh, with this young guy? Our senior pastor longboards to work, and we just don't have a paradigm for that. But um, so I'm struggling and, you know, failing every day. Um, and I'm learning how to be an honoring husband and a fully present dad. Um, how to be a leader who's more concerned with the kind of person that I'm becoming and less concerned with uh, what I'm creating and what I'm doing and what I'm producing. And so I just want to talk a little bit about um, what I'm learning and, um, and really how I'm learning so much more in my failures than I am in any of the accomplishments. And I certainly would love to continue that conversation with some, some Q&A. Um, but I, there's sort of two things that I'll just throw out here uh, tonight, and then we can talk more about this. The first, um, I'm learning about the forgotten virtue of honor of honor. Uh, I am a Christian. I'm a pastor. I preach for a living. And so scripture is really important to me. And um, in, in the Old and New Testament, uh, the word honor is, a, is, is such a significant word. It's used 150 times throughout the scriptures. And, and it's a word that, that basically means weightiness, heaviness. To honor someone or something is to ascribe value, to say that thing is weighty. Uh, we kind of use a word in vogue in our day is the word gravitas. It's acknowledging the gravitas of someone or something. And I'm, I'm learning that, that we live in a culture that's kind of forgotten, I think, the significance and value of showing honor, paying honor to other people, uh, to one another. And, and um, so for me, uh, some of the places where this is becoming really significant for me, I work in a very multi-generational context. Lots of young people um, and lots and lots and lots of old people. And, um, and I, I am learning how to honor um, the generation whose shoulders I stand on. Uh, and, and when you look at you know, the scriptures, what you find is when, whenever honor goes up in a family, in a relationship, in a marriage, in a community, in an organization, whenever honor goes up, blessing comes down. Honor always leads a blessing. And, um, you know, I had a, a powerful experience of this this last week. I was hanging out with um, one of the most important mentors in my life. And there's some other guys here who've been mentored by Scott Dudley. And uh, we got to spend the week together and just have amazing conversations. And I was thinking about our friendship, which goes all the way back to my freshman year of college when I was like bleach blonde hair, you know, showing up to school in California. And nobody does that, by the way, in California. I just thought, you know, you were supposed to do that when you went to California, but I was the only person my freshman year with bleach blonde hair. So um, we started having breakfast together, meeting at this just dive restaurant in, um, in the college town that I was a part of. And, and I had never really done this before, but he would just ask me lots of questions. He'd asked me to talk about my life, and, and, um, and he asked me significant questions, and he wanted, we, we tried to be just really honest, brutally honest with each other, no holding back. And I remember there was this one time when it was kind of a breakthrough for me, and I just felt like I was, there were so many failures and so much stuff I was ashamed of. And this one particular breakfast, I laid it all on the table, 
for the, really the first time in my life, of just this is who I am, and this is, the, this is all the crap that I'd never tell anyone. And I remember just kind of sitting there at the end of just sort of sharing all of this with him. And um, he was a pastor. That's all I really knew about him. And, and, um, and I just assumed as I'm sort of looking down at my mug of coffee and, and I'm just ready for him to pounce on me, to judge me or to tell me, like, stop. And, and I'll never forget, he just, having heard just the total truth of my life, he said, he said, Brian, I am so proud of the man that you are becoming. And I just want you to know that. And I want you to know that I have never loved you more than I love you in this moment. And, and God is doing something in your life because there's no healing and hiding. And thank you for inviting me into your life. And, um, and I just, I will never forget how empowering, how amazing it was to receive that from another person. And it was so cool that I just wanted to make up more bad stuff to tell him, like right in the spot. Um, because it was such a blessing to have this man who's kind of been down the road a little bit further than me um, to, to just bless me. And, and he is one of these leaders whose shoulders I stand on, um, the older generation who've gone before us, and, and, and he has blessed me in so many ways, and there are other leaders like that in this room that I think about. Um, and the cool thing is, when he blesses me in that way, I want to honor him. I want to look at him and just tell thank you for believing in me. Thank you for calling out these gifts. Thank you for seeing something when, when other people didn't and for giving me room to fail and patience with me. And then when I honor him in that way, he wants to bless me even more. And then when he blesses me, I want to honor him back. And it's like it creates this cycle of blessing and honor, blessing and honor from one generation to the next. And I believe that is an unstoppable force in our world. And it's something that, that every one of us is cr created to long for and to look for in our lives. In fact, I don't know if we have this picture, um, but I have a picture that we may be able to pull up here. And <coughs> caller's going to get that. Um, this is a picture that I have in my office. And um, it's a picture from my ordination, which I guess is when I become, became a pastor uh, like 13 years ago. And there are four of us in this picture that you're about to see. Um, and if you can look really closely, on the far right, there's like a middle school boy. Maybe he was in, I don't know, were you in high school? High school freshman Matthew Cesare um, with the lovely cardigan sweater. And, um, and then what you have here basically is four generations of friendships and mentoring. And there's a guy on the far left that I, I think some of you in this room may know. His name is Steve Hayner. He passed away a few years ago um, after a battle with cancer. But Steve basically for a generation, invested and poured into the guy um, who's to my left, who poured in uh, to my right, on, left on the, on the picture. And Scott, for basically a generation, has now poured into my life. Um, and Matthew has been somebody who, for going on 20 years almost, has been a person um, that I have had the privilege of walking alongside and just um, being invited into his life and what he's learning. And I guess I would suggest that this is the picture of what we're called to, of this sort of passing the torch of faithfulness, of purpose, of significance from one generation to the next. And when I see that, I just want to honor those men who've gone before me, and they want to bless me, and I think that's an unstoppable force. Um, I'm also learning... I guess in my job, and maybe this is true for yours, I'm learning to honor the people who feel like my enemies. Um, the people who sometimes I feel like are against me. 
and to honor them. And um, sometimes in my context, it's just sort of those EGR people, um, extra grace required, and, and I'm just learning how to value extra grace required people in my life. Every family, every office uh, or group of people has an EGR person in the mix. It's just like a law of nature that there will be one of these in your office. And if you're thinking right now just in, about your extended family or your office context and you can't think of a single extra grace required person, it could be because it's you. <laughs> In fact, um, in our ch we, I'm a part of this church, and we actually have a file at the church called EGRs. And, like, if you're part of the church, you know, maybe if you're in a church, you could ask the pastor someday, like, am I in the EGR file? And if he doesn't know what you're talking about, you're good to go. But um, uh, last night, in fact, I was at a city council meeting. Um, our, uh, our church is doing some construction so that we can have a better space for leadership training and nonprofit incubation. And we were like in front of the city council, you know, hearing the arguments and stuff. And this sweet lady, bless her heart, I think is what we say in the South, um, she got up and she just like, is this on Facebook? I mean, is this not going to go everywhere in the, in the world? Um, so this, this lady just got up and she just, just told, just said all this stuff about our church and just shredded our reputation and talked about me. Um, and, you know, they, she was spreading rumors that we were going to, like, build new buildings for housing refugees and just stuff to try to scare people, which I'm like, now you're talking. Maybe we will do that for refugees. Thank you. That's a great idea, neighbor. Thank you so much. Um, but this, this one neighbor said, you know, um, at the end of the day, we want your church to suffer the same way we are if you build this new building. Maximum pain is what we're after. And I'm like, okay, she's got some issues, and we're going to need to talk about that another time. But how do I honor a person like that? How do you honor someone like that in a business context or someone who just you feel like is opposing you? And I think for me, I'm learning that honor is a different thing than respect. Respect is something you earn, but honor is freely given. Respect is something that's earned, but honor is freely given. And um, I'm learning this in another context. There's another lady in my church, and I'm sorry that it sounds like I'm complaining about ladies in, in the church. but. Um, <laughs> But she is so mad at me. She is so mad at me because I put screens in the church. And, um, and so every time I see her, it's like I get the death stare in the hallway. And um, I actually got some coaching from my father-in-law on how to deal with this. Um, he said, you may want to have a meeting with her someday and just say to her, you know, you don't seem happy here. Uh, and that what will happen is it will be a win-win and she'll say, you know, I'm not. And you can say, well, I think maybe it's time for you to find another place. And so. Um, I was all coached up and ready to do this. And so I sat down with her and she just laid into me and she's just like, you know, you, you're, you're, um, you've got all this stuff going on and um, you're, you're, you're making fun of the bell choir and you didn't wear a robe the other day and you're letting people bring coffee into the church, which is obviously so over the line, I know it, to have coffee in church, but I'm boring and they, you know, they need something. But, um, and at one point I said to her, and I just, I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm ready and I'm coached up, and I said, wow, it really seems like you're not happy here. And she was like, you're right, I am so not happy. I'm pretty upset about what you're doing here. And then I paused and I said, well, maybe you would be happier somewhere else. And I'm thinking, this is great, like I've got us in the win-win situation. And it totally didn't work. I mean, it completely backfired. And she's like, you can't kick me out of this church. I'm going to be in this church long after you're gone and blah, 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 blah. And so um, that's the last time I ever tried to fire a church member. 
But I wonder if sometimes, I wonder if sometimes Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, let most of my people go. Like there's a few that you could keep here in Egypt if you want. But I'm learning this, that this is a person, this is a person that I'm called to honor. It doesn't matter how they treat me. Every person I ever lay eyes on, I believe, is a person that is worthy of a value and a dignity and a weightiness that I should give to them because they're made in the image of God. So, um, recovering this forgotten value of honor. And then this last thing, and I'll kind of finish with this and then we can have a conversation. I'm sorry about the mic. Um, And I'm thinking a lot about this after this week with, um, with this mentor who's just meant so much to me. I am learning that it is so important to have a person in your life who can ask you the question, how's your soul? Who in your life is asking the question, how's your soul? Not how's your job, well that's important, how's work? Not even just like how's dating life, Um, how's your marriage, although that's really important, but how's your soul? Is there a person in your life, a close friend, a mentor, And not just someone, not just a person who is really excited and geared up to give you good advice. My guess is you don't need more advice. But someone who is willing to come alongside you and spend the time with you and earn the right to be able to ask the question, how's your soul? How's it going like below the waterline in your life? How's your heart? How's the inward you? Which often we don't talk about and it kind of makes us nervous, but but that's the most important part about you. The most important thing about a man is not what he is achieving, but who he is becoming. And I think one of the greatest lies of our culture is that the worth of a man is somehow the value or sum of his achievements. That it's what you've done, or what you accomplished, or the money you've made, or the jobs you get, or the deals you closed, or the reputation you built. The most important thing in my life is not what I'm doing or what I've accomplished, but who I'm becoming. And I constantly have to remind myself about this because I'm a pastor and, you know, in my profession, I talk for a living, but I know that most people are not going to remember 99% of the things I ever say, but they will never forget the kind of person I was to them. The most important thing about you is the kind of man you are becoming. And I think that's why God places these, these people in our lives who can ask these questions. How's your soul? How's it going? Like in your inward life. Um, I remember a, a few years ago, one of the thoughts that came to mind on the plane today, um, this friend named Scott, um, I, I was living here in Atlanta, and my wife and I had been married for about five years. About four years, we had been trying to get pregnant. And we were going through... Um, just the whole infertility package and maybe some of you have, have had to go through and it's like you get a box in the mail with like 38 shots and, and you know you have to it's just it's overwhelming and um, you know your spouse is kind of loaded up on uh, hormones and you're trying to figure all this out together and it's like perfect um, but <laughs> so we were trying to get pregnant we had been through IVF it had failed our marriage was just was just being afraid by that. Um, I was dealing with a ton of anxiety, kind of wondering, like, is this, am I in the right career path? Um, around the same time, all this stuff from my past that I thought I had sort of figured out 
like dealing with a mom, you know, who died from substance abuse. Things that I thought I had sort of graduated from, it's like they were all coming back up. I felt stuck at work, and then I had been passed over for a job that I really wanted for so long, and I just felt like a total failure. And I remember this one conversation I was having with um, Scott, and I was just like ugly crying with Scott, talking about all this. And I, rem- and, and I remember this, this one kind of moment in the conversation when Scott, he said to me, and again, it's just like some of the similar refrains, he said, Brian, I am so proud of you. And I am so proud of the man that you are becoming in and through this. And I love you, and I know God is at work in this. And, and then... Um, and I said, man, if God, is, you know, if God is in this, then why do I feel like such a failure? I, I use a different F word, but, um, you know, and I'm just kind of going after this. And, and then here's what he said to me, and I've, I've never really forgotten these words, but I want to get this right. He said, Brian, there is a difference between an action figure and a hero. He said, action figures kick ass, but the real hero wins the inner battle. And you are not really ready for the outer, outer battle until you've conquered the inner battle, until you've conquered what's within. And he said, I'm so proud of you because that is what you are facing and going through right now. And he was right. God was at work below the waterline. And I'm so thankful to have had a friend, to have had friends like that, who can point me back and back and back to what matters most. Your soul, who you are becoming, is the most important thing about you. And so who in your life um, who, is, who has permission to call that out of you and to walk with you through that inner battle? Asking you, how's your soul? How's your soul? And, you know, just looking around this room, I can just think of a number of you, and we have been through the trenches together, and we've been able to ask those questions, and it has been such a gift in my life, and I would just want to honor each and every one of you. I know this doesn't happen like overnight at a purpose on tap. I mean, there's, it's a little awkward, you know, if you're having lunch with the first, someone for the first time and you're like, how's your soul? And, um, you know, or like if you're on an airplane and I'm a pastor and that's just what creepy things we say while we're heavy breathing. And, um, but who in your life has that permission? And, um, you know, Calder sort of mentioned as he uh, started our time together, and then I'll wrap up, uh, when we first met and I... Man, I've just been thinking a lot about that in the last few weeks leading up to this, um, in part because I'm just so proud of, of you, Calder. But, um, I, you know, when, you're, when your mom sort of said, would you be willing to hang out with my son? His name is Calder Justice. My first thought was, that is the most fratty name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and then I was like, I guarantee he went to Ole Miss, which I found out was true. Um, <laughs> And he had just moved back from Bozeman where he was selling tractors to be a ski bum. And um, I'll never forget that first me- meal um, we had at the, the White House. We had breakfast at the White House. And part, part of the reason I'll never forget it is just the amazing linguistic skills that he has. And he would just say these things like, he'd be like, brah, these pancakes, these pancakes are chronic, right? Like you don't even need syrup. They're so on point. And I was trying to be cool and go with him. I'm like, totally, I get what you're saying. Um, and then I think he invited me to go fishing with him. And, and I, I just don't know if he was messing with me or not, but he's like, bro, we can go to Hogtown and slay some brownies, like hashtag stripping for 20s. And, and I'm like, what language are you speaking in? You have to have Urban Dictionary to hang out with the guy at all times. Um, 
but we kept meeting together and, and it was so cool after a while, like we just were having great conversations and then um, somehow Matthew Cesare, uh, Calder and Matthew and I got connected and we just, we wanted to spend time together talking about something other than work and, you know, fishing and jobs and college football. Um, and, and so we started asking questions about God and faith and like what it really matters in life. And, and then we thought, man, are there other guys who'd want to be a part of this conversation? And, and so we started meeting every other week, started out at Tavern 99, and we got in guys' homes and we would drink a beer and talk about God. Um, most of these guys, I don't, a lot of them would not have described themselves as like churchgoers at the time. Um, in fact, the name that somewhere early on they sort of adopted for themselves was the heathens. And, um, and it caught on, and I didn't really think about it that much until my assistant at church was like, she saw heathens on my calendar, and I was like, it's complicated, um, but I can tell you sometime. Um, but an amazing thing happened uh, in these just conversations we had. This heathens community, it became so much more than just a, you know, a, a loose social hang, although it was so much fun. But it's like after a while, um, we got to this point where we could talk on a soul level about what was happening under the waterline. And then after a while, I realized I wasn't really here to like teach them or show them something, that I was there to learn with them and through them that God is at work in every person's life. It doesn't matter how far you think you are from God. He's at work. He's pursuing. He's patient. And we talked about some of the tough stuff in life. Um, whether it was work or a relationship we were going through or um, how they dealt with failure or suffering. And, you know, sometimes I think I learned more about Jesus doing life with these guys than I ever did going to committee meetings about committee meetings at a Presbyterian church. And I'm just so thankful for that life-changing community and this question that we would often end up getting to, how's your soul? What's going on between you and God? And that's what I love about this gathering here is that at some point, the end game here um, is that we would get to a place where we could have that kind of conversation together. Um, and that we would find that there is something more significant and more purposeful than the American trinity of comfort, pleasure, and success that everyone else is running after too. There is so much more to life than that. And so I hope that the conversation continues. And I'm just grateful to be a part of it. So I wonder if there are questions. Um, do we have time for questions? So he, the question, who is that person in my life right now? And um, one of them is the guy that um, I spent the last week with, and he lives in Seattle. I live in Dallas. Um, it, it is harder to do that, but what we find is when we're intentional about grabbing that time together, it's like it never was a problem that we live in different places because we just are committed to going there. Um, what's interesting is, and I found this last week, um, I think just the, the, the pace of life, I find myself in a place where that question almost gets sort of uh, startling, and I realize how often I'm living on more of a superficial plane, even as a pastor, like I'm supposed to have important conversations, uh, and yet so much of it can kind of be at this level, um, and that's why I, I think it's really helpful to have guys who are willing to go there with me, even maybe when I'm not feeling like I'm ready to talk about that. And, um, but I, I can just, again, go through the, I can just see some of you uh, in this room that have challenged me and you've asked me those kinds of questions um, and, and that I know that I have the freedom and the permission to call you up and just say, man, I, um, I think I need someone to kind of carry me through right now because um, I'm sort of struggling to connect the dots or there's something going on in my life and I need to talk to somebody 
and maybe that person can't always be my wife, which in my case is true. So where, where would you maybe find that person that you could be um, a kind of, that you could bless, that you could bless them and, and call out those gifts in their life and maybe encourage them? Um, yeah, and I just love that this picture of Matthew is still up here after 20 minutes. <laughs> it's just so great. Um, yeah, well, what I, what I would say maybe would be not the answer to that is to find somebody that you maybe know and to say, hey, I have so much wisdom that I would love to give you. Um, and I think it'd be really cool for us you know, to meet regularly so that I can give you that wisdom. Um, but you know, I think that's a place maybe where common cause, just where it's, it's not forced, but there are just things that, there are things that you do or um, community context that you're in, whether it's a, a work environment or an organization or a church, and it just sort of makes sense in the ongoing sort of regular flow of life that, um, that you would get to know each other um, and that you could just say, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to hang out sometime and, and grab lunch, or, um, and you find something that you both love doing, and maybe you do that together, and, um, and you, uh, rather than try to give them advice or say, here's what I think you need to do, you know, when it comes to dating or blah, 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 that you just say, I, um, I would love to spend time getting to know you and to encourage you and to ask questions. Um, and, you know, that took, for me, with Matthew, that took a couple years of, I mean, it was just, you know, he was like a freshman in high school. He wanted to play ping pong all the time. And, um, but, you know, it, 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 we, we hung out and we spent a lot of time together and his family then became like a family for me in, you know, in the city of Atlanta. And, and um, he's just now one of those guys and it really is, it's cumulative. Um, it's like you wake up one day and you're like, man, that, that man means so much to me. Um, but it does take an investment to get there. Bobby, so uh, what have I wasted the most time doing, and what would I what would I have done with the time? Yeah. Yeah. Wish done oh man. Um, I think I wasted a lot of time thinking about how I could get further faster in life, um, and I think I wasted a lot of time wrestling with what's going to be the best path to be the most successful. And, you know, in my line of work, it happens to be sort of a, it happens to be a faith-based, church-based, like, nonprofit thing, but it's still, it doesn't mean there's not ambition and not like, man, I just, I want to make the most of my life, but I really, I, I, I so often fall for that, that lie that what matters most is just doing something great versus the person that I am becoming. And I, I wish I would have spent more time just paying attention to uh, what is going on in my soul. And I know that maybe that, maybe that word is just not the right, it, it seems like too churchy a word, but um, what is going on in like the inward life? Um, I wish that I would spend more time cultivating that and would have in the past than just worrying about like, man, how do I get to the next thing? Which just leads to this perpetual like, I don't know, disenchantment with where you are. And that's a real bummer. And I spent a lot of time there and still do. Why would I want to pursue something other than comfort, pleasure, yeah, and success? We pray for it all the lives. It's reinforced every day. Why would we want to even consider something more? Wow. Um, I feel like I should call on one of my mentors to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's code language for somebody older <laughs> who would like to. Um, no, I... And I do, I, 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 I'll, I'll answer that sort of from my own life. I'm constantly wrestling with, um, 
And, and I wouldn't say it that way, like, oh man, I'm waking up thinking, how can I achieve more comfort, pleasure, success today? But so much of what I do, if you look at my schedule and my priorities, um, it's seductive. And, you know, in the, I guess in the, in the world that I'm in, we call those idols. Um, it's just anything that vies for your devotion more than the ultimate thing, more than God. And, um, and I do think that, again, having somebody who tells you, well, that's just a waste of time. Stop doing that, you know? Um, I, th- it's true. I just don't know how helpful that can be to hear that from the voices of wisdom in my life, but to see it lived out and somebody who is inviting me to, like, come do life with them, and they are modeling, they're practicing what it means to say no to those things in favor of something that matters more, like the person we're becoming, the character level stuff, the heart they're cultivating. Um, I don't think you can fake that. That character is going to catch up. And, um, and I have found, and i just thinking about some of us who have, you know, we kind of have similar mentors and people we look up to, and you're just drawn to that. I want to, I, I, there's something so contagious about that. I want to be around people like that. So um, uh, somebody who's got young kids and it's like, like how do you budget, how, how do you sort of prioritize time for that and, and value those relationships? And again, I feel like I'm just the blind, leading the blind here. Um, and my, if my wife were standing here, I would say one thing and then she would sort of do this, uh-huh, 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 and she'd grab the mic. Um, but yeah. I, what, I, what I think has not been helpful in my life is when I do say, you know, um, this is a tough stretch, and I'm going to get through this one, um, but a day is coming when I'm going to be able to prioritize my family and my kids and my marriage, but I just kind of need to get over this hill right here. Um, so, you know, for me, that has been like one of the most challenging disciplines, and I only work one day a week, and so for the rest of you, that's, <laughs> that's got to be harder. But... Um, and I, you probably had that experience. Like, I, so I have twin four-year-olds and a nine-month-old. And I mean, literally, I will walk in the door at 5.30. And if it's 5.32 and I haven't texted, uh, which emojis are very helpful for that. But um, if I haven't notified my, the, the person I'm married to that I'm coming late and I come in the door late, I mean, it, it, it gets Western. And sh- she'll, um, I mean, she can literally like hand me children as she's walking out to where, and she won't tell me where she's going. She's just, she's out. <laughs> And she may come back, you know, like within a couple hours, but, uh, but we're constantly dealing with that. And um, for me, the greater challenge is not just like time allotment, which I'm kind of trying to figure out with the help of mentors. It's the presence thing. And it's like, okay, I'm here, but I have like a watch that vibrates whenever there's some kind of notification. And then, you know, the phone, and then we're trying to like plan our schedules and babysitters and, and, and my kids sometimes they say things twice because they're accustomed to me not hearing the first time. That's just awful. That's just terrible. Um, so, man, I am, I am wrestling with, like, how do I be, and then how do I be present to my friends when that's kind of our time to be able to connect and talk, and um, a buddy calls from Atlanta that I really have been wanting to catch up with, but it's 6.15, and it's, like, in that moment, and I just can't, like, I, I can't retreat from being present with my kids and my family. So um, it has been a struggle. It has been a struggle. I, um, and I don't mean to get super biblical with this, but I, I think that in the Old Testament, this, this, um, this image of the Sabbath of um, one in seven, one day in seven, we are to rest. We're to do nothing. 
We're not supposed to get our laundry and do the things that we couldn't get done, you know, the other six days. We're to do nothing. And it's just this reminder, like, we can be present with another person without actually having to accomplish anything. And I wonder if that is one of the most countercultural things um, that anyone could do in our day is to actually honor the Sabbath. But that, you know, I'm sure they'll find an expert to talk about that in the fall. So, like, the question, how to, as guys, how do we sort of model, how do we take that risk of vulnerability? Um, if, if it's true that there ultimately is no healing in hiding. Um, and so, how do we take the risk of vulnerability? I mean, w- one thing that I would say I struggle with in that is not that I'm not willing to be vulnerable, but am I, do I tend to be strategically vulnerable? And so, I have kind of gotten good, that, that muscle of being willing to take the risk of vulnerability is something I've gotten pretty good at, but I wonder sometimes if I'm sort of like posturing it or I'm telling you the part that I'm, I'm comfortable with you knowing that bad side of me, I just don't want you to know all of it, because if you did, that would just undo me. And um, again, I think that's, yeah, yeah, and I think that's where having Maybe having friends who kind of are willing to, are able to model that. Again, in a safe, trusting environment, um, not just sort of hydroplaning in or, you know, parachuting into a context where you're asked to bear your soul and it just feels weird. Um, maybe because it is weird. But, um, but to, to sort of be walking with some guys long enough that it just seems like it's appropriate to be able to talk in those concepts and to just make sure there is that, there is that, um, that vault of trust. And that's a really huge thing to be able to find that with some guys. You know that vault is, is dependable um, and that you're not gonna, you're never gonna have to worry about, you know, about that getting out. So again, having mentors who model that, I think I, that's, that has been caught, not taught for me. Vulnerability is not taught. You ha- is somebody showing you the blessing and just the richness that, that comes when you're willing to kind of bear your soul with another person. So, okay. Awesome. This is great. Hey. So, so, you know,